We'd like to welcome two new patrons to the team, Brandon from Team One and Aurora, and Chantel of DVC by Resale. Thanks for supporting the show. We've added a couple perks to being a patron. Patrons receive full episodes in advance, articles and resources from the shows, and we did our first Coach Your Brains Out Zoom talk where we talked about feedback. It was cool getting to meet some of the listeners and patrons, and we'll definitely be doing more in the future as a way of thanking all our wonderful patrons. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash coachyourbrainsout. Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. We're excited to have back on the show with us, UCLA and U.S. Men's National Team Head Coach, John Sparrow. John, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks, John, Bill. I appreciate you being, being here and uh, excited to have a, a nice conversation about coaching. Us too. So I, I think of you as one of the busiest guys in coaching. You, know, you coach two high-level programs. I, always, I feel bad even asking you to do this, spend this time with us, so we're so thankful. But I'm wondering, have things slowed down with you at all during the quarantine? Uh, no, they haven't. I think... Uh... I, I had a, a, a moment there on the day that they canceled the season. I remember it was a Thursday. I don't remember the specific date uh, in March. Mm-hmm. And I packed up my office and I was driving home and I was thinking, gosh, I might actually slow down here for a bit. And uh, man, I was dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just uh, it's been interesting to me just to see how the pace of everything has actually increased. I think uh, there's been so many different chaotic moments and creation of plans that then a week later uh, aren't useful anymore and you got to create a new plan and and it started probably with the guys overseas and just trying to get them home and talking to them a lot and a lot of concern and you know anxiety about the 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 growing COVID situation uh, particularly in Italy and Poland and uh, trying to do what I could. I couldn't do much, but lots of conversations. And then the cancellation of the season and what that did emotionally for the guys and then trying to figure out how to get into the online learning environment. Because at UCLA, we're in the quarter system. So when that happened in March, I think a lot of schools were starting to wind down a little bit, but we still had a full quarter to go. And uh, and then the budget situation at USAV and looking at the Olympics and what does that mean? And uh, even recently, this last week, uh, there's been some things going on at UCLA with its Under Armour deal, and, uh, and then the, the the restrictions of Americans going to Europe, and are, are our guys going to be able to go play overseas this year? And what does that look like? And having mm-hmm. some meeting emergency meetings regarding that, and then of course today, uh, Stanford um, dropped its men's volleyball program. So it seems like this whole process has just been one chaotic panicked moment after another and uh so it's been interesting to see just the pace of everything and the chaos it's it's been quite a bit yeah and the chaos isn't the the fun stuff of coaching and going from gym to gym and leading teams in that way so that's uh probably not as fun but but uh still important so i'm guessing you know we want to get into ucla first just you know you guys and your team didn't see the season coming to an end and just kind of wondering what you say you think is important for leaders to do and stand for during these moments of adversity and chaos. Uh, well, I've, I've read about it quite a bit. I think the first thing you hear is just the need to continuously communicate, even if you don't have anything specific to say. And I think that's probably correct. Um, 
I have felt in moments where, especially with the national team, where I have nothing new to say, <laughs> but we're on this Zoom and I just want to stay connected with the guys. Uh, I think that was really true, uh, particularly with the, the UCLA guys. I think the national team guys, when they came home, in, in large part, it was the first break that they'd have had from playing volleyball and the chance to reconnect with family in some cases in over 10 years. And so there was a real downshift there. And, and there was a period of time once the, the chaos of trying to get them all home had subsided where I think they didn't need to hear from me. <laughs> they, they could just take some time just to reflect and relax and, and rest. The UCLA guys, we, we had to stay connected, obviously deal with the emotional uh, backdrop of losing a season, the uncertainties around uh, the ability for some of our seniors to continue playing. Would they continue playing? What were those decisions? They, those were big decisions. And then to communicate what the next step was because they had to continue their academic progress and transition to the online learning environment. Um, so I think that that communication plan that we came up with, which I was really, I think, looking back, pretty well done. Uh, we had a plan to communicate with the guys, and I, I think with a philosophy of we want to stay in touch, but not too much. We don't want to be overbearing. Um, we didn't want to start diving right in and start talking about volleyball. I think there was a, almost a period of time there where they needed to recover a little bit and, and maybe mourn the end of the season. I was talking to one coach at UCLA, and it was the first week after, and she was saying, I'm going to go back and I'm, I'm going to the backyard and I'm going to work on some footwork patterns and, and send it to them. And I, I said, listen, I, I, this is my just gut feeling on it that they may not want to hear about sport right now. And, uh, and I think that was accurate. And, um, and so we gave them a break for about five or six weeks from anything related to volleyball. Um, we did some team culture stuff. We were reading Legacy, the book Legacy as a team this year so we finished up that project and uh spent did some basic life skills things for guys we had mike and Ma come on and talk about what it was like to transition into the professional volleyball realm what was it like for his first year and some other alums come in and talk a little bit about internships and resumes and things they did during their collegiate years to prepare for the next step so we had a series of speakers that we did once a week but nothing related to volleyball and then staying of course connected individually and with our own we had small groups we divided the team into with a team leader of each group we had a different leadership model we were using this year so we still had some small group sessions and we interspersed those so we weren't overwhelming the guys and in and, and those types of communication patterns we had coffee with coach every morning at 9 a.m where it was like hey it's the beginning of the week get up shower shave like it's you're still you know don't sleep till noon because you're at home mm -hmm. um and and let's get moving and then we had these individual group meetings scheduled throughout the week, I think it ended up being really, really effective. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds like you're on it. I think something I, I struggled with is I, I really like clarity and I, and I think of good leaders, they, you know, maybe have this clear vision of what's ahead. And I struggled with like, mm -hmm. I, I know things are going to change so much. So if I say something, you know, that has anything behind it, is it going to even stand for anything? So I guess, how did you navigate that? I think you navigate that with, um, I think it's it's fairly consistent with some of my own philosophies, particularly as it relates to mental toughness. And that is um, being prepared when things don't go well. I, I, I think all of us as volleyball coaches or coaches in general, we spend a lot of time training when things don't go well. I mean, we're going to be in system. That's great. But a lot of winning and losing volleyball matches is, is about when the ball is off the net. And how do you 
how do you handle that chaos? And I think for me, in terms of, as, as you guys know, I just am really into the mental side of the game. And I think there's a lot of it that goes into preparation for when things go awry. Um, at the top of John Wooden's pyramid is competitive greatness. And, and I've always, if I had one more question to ask coach, I, I'd ask him to define, you know, be your best when your best is needed. When is that? And I, I'm pretty sure he would answer be your best when your best is needed is when things aren't going very well or under pressure. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I talk about that a lot and, uh, I prepared the guys, maybe this is a little bit of, um, my own background. Obviously I was a science major, microbio guy at UCLA, but I was paying attention to COVID and I was starting to prepare them. Um, weeks in advance, I was like, Hey, this is a, this is a potential problem. Um, this is what I'm hearing about from the guys in, in Europe. Uh, we need to be prepared for this. And maybe it was about two weeks before I started telling the guys, I'm not so sure the season's going to end the way we want it to. And, and then once you're into that, just the uncertainty of things and saying, Hey, this, listen, we, we want everything to be comfortable. We want to know certainties. Um, uncertainty breeds anxiety, but we need to be prepared as, as players and teammates, as men uh, to be prepared to be good when things aren't in those circumstances, aren't, aren't clear. Um, the thing I talked about too, a lot with them is, is the Stockdale paradox. And I don't know if you've ever read about Admiral Stockdale and his experience as a POW in Vietnam, but his lesson was, is those that had high hopes, uh, didn't survive. And they set themselves up with an expectation that, uh, it was going to get better or that things were going to be better by a specific date. For example, they were there in a POW camp and they, uh, a fellow prisoner would say, gosh, we're, we're going to be home by Christmas. And then Christmas would come and then Christmas would go and then they'd be, well, maybe by Easter. And then you know, Easter would come and go and um, they lose their, their, their faith and their spirit. And um, his philosophy, which I think is really applicable here, is um, don't set up any expectations for yourself. Like I listen to a lot of people right now talking about a vaccine in January. And I'm like, man, I think it's a bad idea to even set up some form of, uh, I don't know, expectation for yourself. And I, I'm constantly reminding our players, hey, you might be in this for a long time. Uh, you, you, you don't know if, if we're even going to be back next year. And to just prepare yourself, you know, be prepared. You know, be prepared for further um, adversity and know that we're all here to support you in this challenge. And we're all in this together. And we... We have to be the tough ones because a lot of people are setting up high expectations and a lot of people are going to be disappointed. And for you and your family and your team, you have to be the, the one with some resolve and, and some maturity about your understanding that life isn't fair and that things are tough and that things are uncertain and you have to thrive in that environment. And you have to be the one that really stands up for, for, for you and your family. No, I think it's a, a really important point. And I've found myself a lot, you know, wanting to fast forward and look for the, the good. But it was actually yep. during the, the quarantine watching a Ken Burns Civil War documentary. And, uh, and they, they thought, you know, the Civil War is going to be 30 days, 30, 60 days is going to be a quick thing. We, we end this thing. And, you know, with our, our scope of history, you know, it goes five years and, you know, 600,000 people die. But just how when you're, when you're in it, when you're so zoomed in, you don't know what you're in for. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's just a to take that perspective is, is important in, in these times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I look back, listen, I, 
Uh, I'm, I am optimistic. I know the smartest minds on the planet are working on a vaccine. Um, but then I also know the fastest vaccine that's ever been done in history took four years. Four years, years yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I, I read about Moderna and their mRNA vaccine that received, you know, they got some antibody responses. But an mRNA vaccine has never been done in history. <laughs> and mm. I just think uh, we're hanging our hat on this this moonshot. Well, I, I mean, I hope so for for all of our sakes and the sake of our economy and the lives involved. I mean, we all have these hopes. I, I just I, I'm constantly reminding my wife and my family that, you know, we we have to be prepared for this to get a lot worse. And we have to be prepared for other things to happen, too. You know, like it wouldn't be shocking if something else happened along the way here, a, a real bad flu season an earthquake, you know, like th these things aren't usually in silos. And, um, I think we just have to be really, really diligent and not, not depressed. Can't, you know, this is, this is not a black swan. I mean, I think people have been talking about, uh, pandemics and the potential for something like this for decades. And, uh, I think now we're in it and we knew it was coming and it still caught people off guard. It's just interesting to see. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, Stanford announced they're cutting 11 sports, including men's volleyball. Mm -hmm. How is that going to affect college volleyball um, the, the way you see it? And you also mentioned that you're advising your players to prepare and maybe limit their expectations. I guess, how are you preparing? And uh, like, what are you, how are you leading them um, other than just their mental thought process? Like, how are they preparing for the season or what does that look like? Uh, I'll start with that one, then I'll go to Stanford. Um, I, I keep just telling them just to, to not be surprised by anything that comes down the path. I personally, and I know, I don't know if you saw the Ivy league uh, today suspended all sports for the rest of the fall. They're not going to have any, any fall spark sports. And I think that is uh, potentially a domino and I, I'm in, we're training back now with the national team and uh, w w I'm involved in trying to figure out protocols and, PPE and what are coaches wearing on the court? And I don't see it. I, I, I think it's, as you look at the caseload spiking and young people getting in, and, um, you know, there's 20 and 30 year olds that are in the ICUs right now. And I think that's going to happen to an athlete and the optics of that are going to be so significant. I just have a hard time imagining that we're going to be able to figure out how to play fall sports. That's just my personal opinion. Um, now, we might, and there might be some different variants in, in particular sports, um, but I think it's a challenge. So I, I keep reminding my guys, like, don't expect to be back in the fall. Be prepared. Don't set up any expectations for yourself. There's a chance, you know, next season couldn't happen. And we just have to be ready for whatever comes our way. And it, listen, it's not going to be easy, and we're here for one another, and we're here to support you. Um, but just keep taking care of what you need to take care of today. Um, you know, take care of your mind and your body and your academics and, uh, your family. And, and then if you need anything, we're here for you and we provide support for that. Um, so I think that's, I, it's constantly reminding ourselves or me reminding them, don't build up expectations for how this is going to go. This is where you need to be at your best. This is how you need to just be tough. You need to talk, you need to talk to yourself in the right way. Like, Hey, I, this is, this is time for us to step up because I'm telling you, 99% of people out there are having a really hard time with this because they don't under, they don't understand how to deal with uh, uncertainty, ambiguity, fear, um, 
expectations and, and we have to understand what those mental processes are, control our own and support those around us that need it. Um, as, as for, for Stanford, uh, as I see it, uh, obviously devastating news to have a program of such uh, tradition and impact in our volleyball community. Um, to have them cut is really bad news. I, um, I was, to be quite honest, I was a little surprised to see men's volleyball included with that list of sports. Um, mm -hmm. as, as I looked at that sport, and I don't listen. I don't mean to, uh, I don't know, demean or uh, any other sports. I just, I feel like, and obviously, I've been involved with the First Point Volleyball Foundation and growing the game and trying to do my part to contribute to the sport that's given me so much. The general trajectory of our sport is just going in a completely different uh, direction than any of those sports on that list. Um, it's the fastest growing boys sport in America. We have a, um, the, the women's game, you know, we obviously have a female counterpart sport where they're starting to fill arenas and it's the largest girls team sport in America now. And we can, we can collaborate on marketing efforts and continue to grow and athletic directors are interested in that. And, um, we've, we've now added, 60 new scholarships, 17 new programs, including the first division one in almost 20 years over the last three years. Uh, division three is now over hundred teams. Division two is growing. I mean, most importantly, from a diversity perspective, the HBCUs, the SIAC added this year is adding six new schools starting next year. Um, so I, I really feel like, uh, gosh, I just wonder if all those pieces of information were considered. I wonder if the people, that were, were making this difficult decision, uh, had an opportunity to hear us out from our sports perspective. Uh, I'd love to be able to, to share that and to offer our, our contribution to the decision. I know that this came as a complete shock to them. So I would have, would have loved to have had an opportunity to at least, um, I don't know, t tell our, our situation, tell our story. And, uh, so I, I don't know what's going to happen here. I would like to think that we would be able to have a moment to, co to converse about it and share a little bit about the direction of our sport and how we're, how we're just doing a great job. I mean, the First Point Volleyball Foundation has been a tremendous success, and we were really making a difference and feeling like the momentum was going in the right way, certainly before COVID. But even during COVID, we've been, we've been contacted by athletic directors that are out there at enrollment-driven institutions that are actually looking to add sports because – that's a way that they can generate and drive enrollment and revenue and volleyball is looked at as a, a potential opportunity there so i mean we're in a situation here if we can get through this COVID environment we could come out on the other side better um, but certainly losing stanford is a challenge that we'll have to see what we can do to, to alleviate it yeah well, that's good to hear and you know billy and i care a lot about the men's game and it's meant so much to who we are and you know, met, you know, this show happened because we, we played volleyball in college. Uh, but what, is there anything our listeners can do and we can do to help support the men's college game right now? Uh, well, first of all, if you're an alum listening, I think you really should um, ensure that you're uh, an active supporter and donor of the program. I, I do talk to coaches and, and listen, I, I have so much respect and admiration for my mentor and friend, Al Skates. And one of the things that I tell people uh, fairly frequently, uh, is that Al was, a, was an old dog that could learn a new trick. 
And when in the early 90s at UCLA, when they attempted to cut water polo swimming and gymnastics, and they, they ultimately brought back water polo, um, Al saw that and was really progressive and started raising an endowment. And now we have a significant endowment at UCLA. And what that, what that instilled in me was this knowledge that if you are an Olympic sport coach, your job is to raise money, period. And uh, if, if you think that your job is just to coach and recruit, you're, you're missing out on one of the third pillar that is absolutely part of your job. And I'm adamant about that. And um, if you're not actively involved and have a strategic plan for how you're going to grow your own personal endowment at your institution, I think you're doing your institution a disservice. Uh, I, I'm obviously very opinionated. I've been that way certainly before COVID and certainly before Stanford was cut. Um, I think that uh, right now we have built over the last three and a half years a really nice infrastructure at the First Point Volleyball Foundation. So if you're a listener and you are interested in helping out the men's game, we have done a phenomenal job of accumulating a really great board of directors. Um, they are strategic, business-minded thinkers. Um, I think they're very talented, and we've been able to deploy capital and execute on a strategic plan that's making a difference in our sport that I think for a long time we looked for uh, USAV to do. And I, I just I think USAV has a lot of, a lot of hats. They have the, the national teams and trying to win gold medals and they have tournaments and events they're trying to run and a high performance program they're trying to run and regions and it, grassroots. They just have a lot on their plate. And I think all of us in the men's game in particular have wanted for a long time, some leadership to help grow the game. And I think what we've learned from doing this is that we can provide that through the first point volleyball foundation. I, I just, just minutes before I got on this call with you, I was on a call with the high school growth committee and, and we're just taking lessons that you're, we're learning in Colorado and Ohio and Utah and, and these states that are trying to grow boys volleyball and get them to be sanctioned by the state and we, we're, we just put a slack account together we're sharing resources we're coalescing all this information and it's making a difference uh, it's making a difference in Minnesota and South Carolina and Atlanta I mean uh, we have a great call now where all these people are coming in and sharing their experiences and helping one another that's that's exactly what we need to be doing. And and now that we've proven that we can uh, raise money, we've raised over th about three and a half million dollars over the last three and a half years um, and deploy those resources in a way that really makes a difference in terms of the scholarships that are available to student athletes. We've done it. We've added 60 new scholarships. That's a tremendous achievement. And um, so you can go on to firstpointvolleyball.org. And uh, if you could support us, it would be greatly appreciated. And I think as we look towards surviving this COVID environment, I think we have to be very, very prepared from a philanthropic perspective to, to deploy resources where it's necessary to save programs. Because I fear that this is a challenging economic time. And, you know, with Stanford leaving, you know, we, we, we need to be prepared to go in and help programs uh, wh where we need to, to ensure that we can have viable sport sport moving forward love it cool and then talking about the national team guys uh who would be prepping for tokyo right now uh many of the players have you know volleyball is their life that's their identity and that's kind of been taken away right now um I, what do you with the conversations with them like how do you help them have a sense of purpose right now during this time well that's a really good question uh 
the, the key aspect of your quest, question is identity through sport. And is that a healthy or negative thing? It can be healthy because obviously you, you gain some confidence because you have a, a level of expertise and mastery in a particular area of your life. And I think that's really important. I also think that having an area of mastery beyond sport probably helps sport. Um, and uh, I, I do think that we encourage that pretty actively at UCLA. I don't, you know, the national team, it's not something we've, we've had too many direct conversations about over the years, but certainly this, this circumstance has made me consider that. Um, right now, in terms of their identity, I don't know that their identity is necessarily threatened at this point. Um, I think this has been a respite and an opportunity to recharge and reconnect with family and friends. I think this has been, by and large, a very healthy experience for our national team players. It's recharged some of their batteries. And I don't know, in, in some cases, you wonder if it's shown them that maybe they want to do something else. I mean, it'll be very interesting to see uh, how our players look back on this moment and reflect a year from now about what that's done for their motivations. Um, I think some players are responding very, very well. They're self-motivated. Some, I mean, we're scattered all over the place. So a lot of them are in Hawaii and Chicago and Indianapolis and uh, Ohio. I, I, we're we're kind of all over. And um, so they're, they've, they've been forced to build home gyms and stay in shape and try to find a local gym where they can touch a ball and get ready for their pro seasons. Um, but I think just to answer your question, I, I think it's at this point, it's been healthy. I, you know, I think your question becomes a little bit more prescient if we go through another year and the pro leagues don't function and they start going bankrupt because sponsorship dollars aren't there or the prevention of fans coming in and the ticket sale revenue loss. And I know that a significant number of our players lost quite a bit of money last year because the sponsors couldn't pay out anymore. And Obviously, they're sharing that experience with a lot of Americans who've lost their jobs. And, uh, you know, I, if we go too much further into this without a therapeutic or a vaccine and this gets continues to be a severe situation and they, they lose more of their opportunities to to be a volleyball player, to generate revenue and, and support their families through their profession, then I think then you really start getting to this existential conversation with yourself about what you need to do next, who you are, what you're about, um, and, and your, your ability to master other areas of your life. Um, so I, I think it's a really interesting topic of conversation. Sometimes I wonder, I look at some of the other players in the world, and I think, uh, gosh, if you're a player from some of these countries with uh, a lot less economy or you haven't been able to be in a position to, to develop your own education and prepare yourself for the next step in life, like these guys, these players, volleyball is everything. Like it's their... It's their ability to literally feed their families for maybe the rest of their life. And there's certainly a certain level of motivation that those players have. I think it's outweighed by our ability as Americans in general, not, not totally, but most of us are coming through the educational system and we have some level of mastery beyond sport that that's beneficial for, for our sense of self and, and who we are and our ability to be confident in, in challenging times. Yeah, uh, a lot of good stuff there. Um, well, we wanted to move on to some social injustice and and get into that topic and how you've handled it. You know, we we have this worldwide pandemic, and then on top of it, there's this 
historic, awful event, the killing of the murdering of George Floyd. I was wondering how you approach that topic, the topic of systemic racism with your teams. Really challenging. Um, I tell you, I, I didn't really know. And um, I, I don't know if you saw my, my Instagram post uh, about this issue, uh, but it was a real, I wrote essentially exactly what my thought process was. It was understanding the severity of the situation, recognizing that I, we have six uh, black players on our team at UCLA, which is probably the most of any team in history, I would imagine. Um, and understanding that there is a, a significant percentage of our players that might be in a really difficult position, but not really knowing what to say about it. And I obviously, the, the demand on social media to make a statement, which I think is, is accurate. Um, it's such a severe situation. It, it opens so many wounds for members of our black community um, that we need to really, we, we really needed to stop and listen and then to say and to do. And I, I think we all needed to go through that process. And so it was first for me recognizing that and then really not knowing what to do and just calling a couple of my black athletes and, and asking them their thoughts and their perspectives and what their emotional status was and, and what their families were going through. And I just, I literally sat in the backyard one day and just called every single one of them and asked them what they were, how they were doing, what were they going through? What what was the talk with their families and, and just learning a little bit. And, um, for us, um, I, the topic of race was something that we had brought up before. So we had fortunately, um, gotten ahead of this. I, when you have six black athletes in a, on a team that it's predominantly a white sport. Um, I wasn't shy about bringing that up. We were actually having a breakfast maybe three weeks before the season ended. And I, it was all of our, our men of color around the table. And I was saying, gosh, what's, what's your experience being a black man in a white sport? What, how, how is this, a, you know, what were, what were some of your stories? And, and I said, gosh, this is really interesting. What we should do is a podcast about this and get all of you around a, a microphone and, and share your experiences. I think it'd be really interesting and valuable. And that was three weeks before COVID hit. And so we had already had some open conversations about it. Um, and so I think that was super helpful because I think I feel like and I feel like and, and based on some, you know, just talking with them and some parents, I feel like they felt respected and loved. And um, and so I think that helped mitigate to some degree um, the fallout. Well, I shouldn't say that because obviously they, they had an emotional response to what was going on and families were affected and. And, and there was deep emotional responses going on. But in terms of how we handled it as a program, I think we, I, um, I think we did a good job. I think we were ahead of it. And so I think by reaching out, having some open dialogue, and then after the quarter ended, we uh, had a team meeting on Zoom where we had assigned a movie to watch. We all watched um, a documentary, and then we all got together and, um, and then just had small group discussions about it, talked about it. So I think having these types of individual conversations, uh, constant communication from me to my black athletes, opening up the discussion as a team and talking about that, I think has been, um, I, I think effective in, in ensuring that our athletes know that we're there for them and that we're here 
hearing their story and understand what they're going through and doing whatever we can to support them and hopefully in the future take action to make different uh, a difference in, in the society at large. So that's we're, we're in the middle of that process. That was part one of our conversation with John Spraw. Join us next week as we talk more about leadership during adversity here on Coach Your Brains Out by Gold Medal Squared.